Oh, so you like listening to podcasts, huh? Well, so do a lot of people. As a matter of fact, millions of listeners are tuning into podcasts every week, and your next customer could be one of them. Did you know that podcast advertising is one of the most effective ways to advertise your product or service? And it's really easy to get started. Just go to podbean.com slash brands. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands to start boosting your business with podcast advertising today. Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from LCP Delta, the new energy experts. In the podcast, we'll be exploring how the energy transition is unfolding across Europe through conversations with guests from the leading edge of the transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. Today, I'm talking with Yannick Schall, co-founder and CPO of 1,5, the international installer of photovoltaics and other low-carbon products. 1,5 has been in the news quite a lot. Many of you will know the know or know of the company. It's raised 300 million euros since its inception in 2021. And I'm really excited to be exploring with Yannick some of the stories behind 1,5 in terms of where it's got to today and where it's going. I'm also joined by my colleague and LCP Delta expert, Dina Darshini, um, who's going to provide expert opinion on how these markets are developing. Hello, Yannick. Hi, John. Happy to be here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining. And hello, Dina. Hi, John. Um, Yannick, now, uh, 1,5 is quite young, founded in 2021, but you've been in this space quite a long time, having been part of the management team of Sonnen. Uh, And I'm sure most listeners will know of Sonnen from its uh, international PV and battery business acquired by Shell. I'd like to start with... Uh, some of the key things you took away from your time at Sonnen, what you learned there, what worked really well, maybe what didn't work quite so well, and how that shaped what's, what you're doing at 1,5 and the direction you're taking at 1,5. So maybe start with some of your learnings and reflections from your time at Sonnen. When I started at Sonnen, in, that was in 2015, um, I would say especially the market on energy storage was uh, pretty premature. So. Um, when I started, they told me their first product generations a, a couple of years earlier had an um, uh, amortization time of 300 years, and they now had oh, cut it is. down. <laughs> <laughs> they now, until 20, uh, 2015, they had managed to cut it down to about 15, um, which was already quite impressive. But it was still a product that was so difficult to sell and so hard to explain um, and I think this is one of the things that changed the most. So over the last um, decade or so, the emerge of renewables in general, of EVs, of um, uh, solar, and now recently also heat pumps, um, has happened at an incredible speed. And one of the things that we've seen that the market has sh- totally shifted. So when I started at Zonan, it was really a... It was a push market. You had to push the product into the market and explain it over and over again. And by the time I left, um, we sold our hardware, you know, in containers. And the key takeaway from this is that now the challenge shifted to the last mile. It's really about execution. It's not so much about the the general market or 
the regulatory framework or the technology as a matter of fact, because technology is there, it's available, it's affordable, people want it. There is even support on a political level on a scale we've never seen before. But the challenge is how do I get these things installed? Because for all of these systems, solar, heat pumps, EV chargers, you need people, you need electricians, you need roofers, um, you need heating experts that actually perform the install. So, Jana, is it is there still a sales and marketing challenge and engaging customers, or is that in a way yes, you've got to do that, but that doesn't keep you awake at night? Building a pipeline of new customers, how are you going to sell to them? How are you going to communicate? Is it the installation that keeps you awake, or is it still still both? When you refer to that last mile challenge, I would say it's both. It's a little bit of both. So last year was a very special year because we saw, especially because of the war in Ukraine, we saw massive demand coming into the market, and basically yeah. anybody who could offer anything and had product was able to sell. This is now yeah. changing, so yeah. um, the the market is becoming again a little more competitive which is something yeah. we like a lot because we, we thrive on um, providing differentiation and, you know, actually selling um, our product. Um, but of course, the long-term uh, challenge remains um, insulation, um, um, recruiting roofers, electricians, et cetera, and getting, getting it installed. Yeah. So is that, would you describe the DNA of 1.5 as an installation business then? Or how would you, how would you describe the DNA that you're creating or have created at 1.5? Yes and no. I think um, uh, installation and also installation companies are an essential part of our DNA because um, there's a lot of companies in our market, especially the large national players that start you know, with online sales, they're basically online sales platforms. And then later on, they start, you know, looking at the at, at solving the problem of installation. We start with local experts with companies that have been around sometimes for decades and um, are really focused on high quality um, technical solutions serving the end consumer. Um, and in that sense, yes, that is that is our, our DNA. There's also, coming back to your first question, a second key takeaway from my time at Zonen, um, and also something that is, is very important to our DNA, and that is the potential that comes with connecting decentral um, assets to, firm, to, to create additional value, to build virtual power plants, to make sure that we do the energy transition in an in a, in a, not in a stupid way, but in a in a way that we call actually new solar that is that is um, connected and that makes the consumption of energy follow the the availability and the production. So Zonin was a little bit of a pioneer in that in some ways. Um, is that continuing what you learned there, or would you say there are new elements or new angles or new directions that you have? you're taking 1,5 in from from what Zonin was doing? There's one big difference, and, and this is, for me personally, a big relief because it opens up so many new um, uh, opportunities. Um, a, a company like Zonin, and this goes also for other manufacturers in the market, as a, as a manufacturer, you're able to control your own devices, and you can build a virtual power plant um, that consists of, let's say, Tesla power walls, if you're Tesla, 
um, or yes. Zonon batteries if you're Zonon. Um, but it's very difficult to include third-party devices. And so they were, walled, we, they were walled garden approaches. Um, yes, yes, yeah. mainly, mainly. Um, and, and, and now we have the opportunity to pick the best products, the best tech um, that is available in the market um, and connect it to something meaningful. And I think this is, um, yes, it's a consequential next step, but it's also something new in a sense that we create a, um, a broader platform um, which allows us to do with so much more. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And are you able to give listeners a few sort of facts and figures just to bring to life where 1,5 is at today and where you're at in your growth story? Absolutely. So as you said, we were founded in uh, 2021. Uh, we have we're now live in four countries, um, which are uh, Finland, Sweden, um, Germany, uh, and Australia. Um, we just announced our market entry into Italy, um, and uh, very soon more markets uh, will follow. Um, we have acquired close to thirty companies um, in those markets uh, that are typically. Um, it, Insulation. The typical insulation business is usually the mid-sized ones, a couple of larger ones um, that really are these like experts in, in in their field and operate on a on a on a regional level with a strong presence and a high market share in their area. Um, uh, in total, we operate um, about forty to forty-five locations. Um, we're a little bit more than 1,000 uh, people now um, growing fast, um, and we're targeting uh, targeting about 550 million in revenues uh, for 2023. Great, thanks, Yannick. Um, and that's very very fast growth indeed. Um, a lot of acquiring and a lot of onboarding, I'm sure. <laughs> um, Absolutely. <laughs> um, Dina, I'd like to uh, bring you in now and. In terms of contextualizing how big, let's start, let's stick with the photovoltaic markets. Yannick, you mentioned a few different technologies. We'll maybe widen out again in a minute. But looking at residential photovoltaics in Europe, how how big is the European residential photovoltaic market? What sort of numbers are we talking about in terms of households per year installing PV across Europe at the moment? Yeah, so I mean, Yannick was absolutely right. So last year, we saw demand explode, you know, for residential solar PV systems, following record high retail energy prices, which we all know it's linked to the 2021-2022 energy crisis, and the release of pent up demand post pandemic. So we saw about 1.8 million households get a solar PV system installation in 2022 and that's up from 1.1 million households in 2021 so it's a it's a big jump uh, we believe PV sales actually would have been even higher if it were not for supply chain disruptions uh, and labor shortages which held the market back from further growth again as Yannick said you know that installation capacity uh, it's constantly playing catch-up um, but just to give a flavor going forward um Unless something big happens again, we're more likely to see modest year-on-year growth rates out to 2030. So a CAGR of about 5% between 2022 to 2030. So last year was a unique year. Yeah. Um, but still, you know. Uh, hard growth, hard growth to predict team. whether we'll have those unique years again and what yeah. events will happen. Um, yeah. And in terms of the 
biggest markets? What what are Europe's largest markets? Or is that 1.8 million sort of fairly evenly spread across markets? Or where would you pick out in terms of the hotspots? So not only are the markets different in size across Europe, their growth rates, you know, their own PV stories are different out to 2030. So some markets will continue that that sort of steady growth, while others will experience market slumps or um, stagnate. Um, so it's important um, knowing, you know, in which market you are uh, if you're trying to invest. Um, but you know, top uh, solar PV markets in terms of installations, you have the usual suspects: so Germany, Netherlands, uh, Italy, um, Poland was a good market. It's uh, it's going to go probably in decline with some policy shifts. Um, Belgium also was a good market, but again, uh, probably more in the stagnating phase. Um, but there are lots of opportunity in some of the smaller markets, which are now only starting their PV story, let's say. Yeah. Uh, and so you'll see much bigger growth rates there. Um, but yeah, it's different, but that's that's why we like it. <laughs> uh, so, opportunity. Yeah, not uniform across Europe, but bumper year last year and a uh, growing market. Um in terms of players in the market, if I think back to five or ten years ago, I would characterize it as very much a local installer market. Yannick, some of those regional installers you talked about probably started off on a very much more local basis and have grown from there. Um, so in terms of the market dynamics between the types of companies, Yannick, you've I guess what you're doing is consolidating the market to a degree at the moment through your acquisitions. But is it, um, it, I imagine your view is that this market needs consolidating or there's an opportunity to consolidate it. Um, can you just talk a bit about how you see it consolidating, why you think it needs consolidating, what advantage do you think that brings? Absolutely. Um, so I think uh, a consolidation is already happening and has been started um, already a couple of years ago. Um, so also large um, utilities started acquiring in installation businesses. And you also see the emerge of these large scale national players that are more driven from an, from a, let's say, online uh, sales perspective. Um, there's three types of players in the market. You've got the small man and the van type of businesses, you got the mid-sized installers, and then you have the, the large um, national brands. And I think especially the the the, the installer in, in the middle, they they see an, an increasing amount of pressure from both sides because the man and the van is beating them on price um, and the national players are beating them on um, uh, uh, online marketing expenses. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, there's a third category of players moving into the market, which are the manufacturers. So um, a lot of manufacturers are also trying to go direct and building a, a, a business um, that doesn't necessarily need um, their traditional channel um, to the extent that it, you know, it was needed 10 years ago. Um, so yes, these players in the middle, they need to form alliances um, and they need to team up um, uh, with each other or with any other players um, um, like 1.5 that is giving them, you know, um, more power and improving this, their positioning also towards the manufacturers and their suppliers, but also 
um, uh, generally in the market. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of driving what cust, I guess driving market growth and a better customer experience. How would you frame it from the customer angle to the advantage of, or, or the market angle from the advantage of this consolidation? Yes, absolutely. I think there's a there's a massive opportunity here for to improve the customer experience, but there's also um, a big risk attached because a lot of these large players they try to do things one size fits all, right? So they sell the same solution over and over again, and they don't really look. Um, at, at you know the sites and the rooftops and the basements and and the individual needs of the customer. And, um, and there's an advantage to setting to that cookie cutter approach because it can drive down cost and price and therefore open up the absolutely. market. Absolutely, but um, we believe there's a different uh, John. We believe there's there, there's there's a third way which we call um, let's say scale scalable modularity um, and and. Um, you know, with the smaller companies seeing seeing math, massive growth, as you said, the customer experience declines because they cannot handle the growth. Um, they don't have digital tools. They don't have a CRM. Um, and 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 organizing the entire value chain from procurement, um, uh, uh, you know, con- consulting the customer on the best possible solution. Uh, generating offers and quotes, um, organizing the installation, the planning, and doing the yeah. executing on the physical install. Along that value chain, yes, there is a massive potential to improve the processes and be more efficient and also be more affordable. Yeah, and I guess from what you were saying earlier about virtual power plants, we we see... I, I think the photovoltaic market was a very distinct market. So you had the PV market on one hand, and you had a very different market, which was the energy market. Now those two are increasingly overlapping. So um, I don't think you can, or you certainly won't be able to view the PV market as just a product sale and hardware and home improvement market. It needs to operate, to get the maximum value out, it needs to operate within the energy market context, which is very difficult for a a local installer or mid-sized installer to do. Absolutely. There's so much complexity that comes with that. And I mean, you know, I think 10 years from now, we will look back and and, and it would seem ridiculous that you would, you know, buy different components that are just pieces of equipment that are being installed in your home and operating basically in silos, right? So an EV charger, it operates when the car is plugged in and the heat pump operates when the thermostat says like now is a good time, Um, but they don't know there's also solar they don't know of each other and they don't know there might be a battery and of course these devices need to interact with with each other and um uh, uh, you mentioned it um they need to interact with the energy market yeah yeah dina you've been looking at how you can segment the market between the different types of companies yannick was has been talking about what patterns do you see across different countries? Or do you see a lot of variation in the way that utilities or energy retailers are getting involved, the development of large players, maybe even pan-European players? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, just echoing what Yannick has said as well. If you think about the residential solar PV supplier market a decade or two ago, it was 
you know, mainly solar PV installers with basic offerings. So it's the solar PV equipment and installation, and that's it, right? So fast forward to today, and from an offer and value proposition perspective, you know, it's not just PV anymore. We're seeing market players with a wider product portfolio. So uh, PV, battery, heat pumps, EV chargers, and they are evolving into energy system and service providers. So offering things like maintenance, remote monitoring, insurance, uh, all within a service package, as well as finance. So that, you know, is almost leveling up. And on top of that, we're seeing new market entrants coming in. So we're seeing startups uh, trying to succeed, pursuing models that have, you know, one recurring revenue with low churn, that are asset light, you know, software driven and highly digitalized operations. And three, they're pursuing fee structures with higher margin opportunities. So you have this new uh, sort of group of companies coming in and they're thinking big, you know, they won't be content being just a small local installer firm. They will grow nationally and internationally. And when it comes to energy retailers, you already have the likes of Eon, um, EDP, NL or NLX, Ibudrala, and more who already have a multi-country footprint, you know, so they're in a strong position to continue um, to use their wide customer base to push PV mm. or a variety of other offerings. Uh, and because they're already multi-country, you know, they they can diversify that risk. Um, so yes, there are lots of small installers around, but there is a fair share of other larger market players in place. And actually out to 2030, we expect these other players to take up a lot of market share from these small uh, and or mid-sized installer firms. So what you both described there, I guess, is an evolving market environment. The the ultimate aim is to drive a great customer experience, to share as much value with the customer from the energy market. Um, But would you, it's probably the wrong way to think about it, but would you characterize it as a battle for market share and the pie is fairly fixed and all these companies are battling for a share of the pie or are we still really in market creation mode where it's less about battle for market share and all these companies are just helping to grow the pie and grow the pie and grow the pie yannick i don't know if you can pick one or the other or a different analogy but what would you say i think it's um uh, for me it's difficult to see um our competitors as real em- enemies. And yeah. I think, yes, in certain markets, you, you sometimes have a fight for market share. But at the end of the day, what we're fighting is fossil fuels. And yeah. the, 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 the point with the renewable energy market and the solar market and the heat pump market and the EV market, um, these markets have to be better and more affordable and more desirable than a combustion engine car, than a gas uh, heater, um, and then you know procuring power from a from I don't know just a coal a fired plant, etc. So I think um, the 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 pie is massive if yeah. we want to make all things energy renewable. Um, we need to electrify a lot of processes, not only on the residential level, also on an industrial level. Yeah. Um, and that's the battle we're fighting. The, if our solutions are better than fossil fuels, um, the the potential uh, for the cake <laughs> is uh, is humongous. Yeah, yeah. 
And the the key things, I'll come, Dina, to you in a, in a second, your perspective. But Yannick, the the key things to access that bigger pie or to move the market in the visionary ways you've talked about. You mentioned the installation experience, but is that is that the key thing, or what key things would you pick out that you and the industry need to do to unlock all that potential? No, I think we need to build. Um, it's not just that. That is, uh, of course, we need to figure that out, and we need to make it more scalable. We need to make it easier. We need to make it cheaper. Um, but at the end of the day, we need to build compelling solutions, right? Yeah. It's not like from an end consumer perspective, it can never be like about what is it, what who made the the solar panels, who made the inverter, and what is an inverter, by the way? Why do I need it? Um, and how do I, you know, then there's this residual energy need I have, like I need to buy from, from the grid or someone else. Um, this needs to go away in order to make this scalable. We need holistic integrated solutions that are easy to understand. Um, basically you need somebody who guides you through decarbonizing, um, all things energy. And, and and right now, there's just fragments of that um, available. So we need to take, we need to guide people through that process. And I think this is going to be key um, to make this a true mass market. We'll come back to that when I ask the Chris, when I bring up the Talking New Energy Crystal Ball in, in, in a few minutes, Yannick. Um, Dina, in terms of your views on that question, and I know you've looked at the um some of the ratio of number of pv systems to number of households in different countries so how do you see this do you see it as a uh, as a much still market creation and growing the pie or how much can that pie grow i mean yeah that the pie in itself now is already massive and like we discussed earlier on it's growing and even even with that growth out to 2030 um if you think of all the single family homes out there in Europe, okay, there's a certain proportion that's not technically suitable for whatever reason, the roof or it's not facing, okay, take them out. Even the leftover houses, um, of course, these percentages are different in terms of saturation rates, um, but you're looking at anywhere between 7 to 30% saturation levels of current existing uh, PV markets, right? So there's still a whole percentage uh, of uh, addressable market out there. So I think there's enough of a pie for everybody. Um, but again, still within that, there will be uh, a race to scale um, in certain portions of that pie. Uh, like we said, I think there'll be just more consolidation and other uh, the smaller local installer firms or mid-sized firms will get eaten up a little bit. Um, but again, if that overarching goal is to you know, decarbonize, get more PVs or other energy systems that are, can help with that goal uh, onto houses, then we're all winners, aren't we? So, yeah, I would agree with Yannick earlier on. Yeah, I'm going to ask you one more question before bringing up the crystal ball. So you talked about um, the guiding people through this and um, developing propositions. Dina, you mentioned a bit around subscription models, for example. I'll, how close, Yannick, do you think the industry is to providing that that guidance, that seamless customer experience, 
the easy to access propositions. Is that still a lot of work in progress? Or would you say the industry is really nailing that now? I think if you look at the industry as a whole, whole I think um, we're not we're not even close. And we're, I mean, what we need to understand is that we're really at the beginning of, um, you know, the making solar a mass market and on the residential level. And um, there, I'm sure there's some examples out there um, doing a great job, delivering a great customer experience. And of course, I mean, we try, try very hard. Um, uh, we launched our energy manager, um, Heartbeat, that is basically, um, you know, helping a lot with simplifying a lot of things, optimizing the value generated also with the, the energy market integration. Um, but we think, and this is why we're so focused on that, we think this is going to be key. And I mean, unfortunately, if you look at the market, the bar is, is actually quite low. Dina, what's your view on things like financed or subscription offerings? or any other element you want to pick out of how how much more work there is to do? Yeah, I mean, there is, yeah, no, there definitely is a lot more work to do. But I think in general, just on the finance part, we will slowly move into uh, a world where, you know, we won't be, well, we don't have to be reliant on subsidies anymore. So if market players can help with that upfront cost barrier, um, I think that still helps the market grow. Um, because the upfront cost uh, still will be an issue, I think, for uh, many households. If you're trying to reach that full 100% saturation rate, just now I talked about the addressable market, I think for some households, this will still be an issue. So finance will always play a role, especially as we move away from a subsidy-reliant uh, market. Um, in and general... When, oh, go with, ahead. Yeah. with finance, then, it's finding the right ways. Is it a subscription offering? Is it... Yeah. Is you position it as a lease do you position it as a deferred payment there's a whole exactly. range of ways to do that yeah yeah but it, i think companies uh, not all of them but the, we at least see a growing willingness by uh, more companies to explore these sort of models um so not just taking on that uh the traditional uh, you just pay for the product up front yeah. um, they are exploring it um you know, paying what we would call complex on the inside, simple on the outside model, integrating all costs in a single tariff or recurring fee. I think there is a willingness to explore it to see if it makes sense for their business. But yeah, I think we're still a long way from yeah many companies being able to offer that. And I think what we have seen is in places like the US, uh, if I remember right, around 30% of uh, residential PV is financed by... Uh, now, company finance companies that just treat this as an infrastructure investment. So there's certainly no shortage of um, money from investors looking for a home in the energy transition. And I think there's a huge opportunity for whether it's subscription, lease finance, whatever type of finance, um, for that to flow into solar panels on roofs, heat pumps in basements, wall boxes on uh, heartbeat energy management systems and more. Um, okay, let's bring out the Talking New Energy crystal ball now. And this week, I'm going to set the dial to 2028, five years time. So we've fast forwarded uh, Dina and Yannick to 2028. And I'm going to ask you each slightly different questions in your view from the future. Um, both 
around the types of companies that will be uh, dominating or leading the space we've been talking about. So, uh, Dina, in for you, looking back from 2028, what type of companies are the leading companies in terms of selling PV to customers? Um, and are they actually, would you say they're PV companies or are they home energy solution companies? Yannick, for you, a slightly different angle to the similar question. So today you'd probably categorize the market into energy retailers, PV installation companies, etc. What category would you, or how would you describe 1,5's category in 2028? And what are the biggest challenges uh, that you experienced to getting to that position in 2028? So, Dina, first of first for you, what will the PV sector look like in five years' time in terms of the types of companies? Yeah. So I think, well, just in general, just to bring back one earlier point. So. I think the supplier market is just going to grow more competitive. So yes, there'll be always these smaller or mid-sized installer firms that specialize in PV installation and maybe battery too. Uh, so it'll still be a fragmented suppliers market. So I don't think that in itself will just suddenly go away. But the point is in five years time, it will be decreasingly so. So it'll be less fragmented because we're already going to see um, uh, more engagement from energy suppliers. You know, we expect consolidation, mergers and acquisitions. Um, and, and we're growth, also growth of companies like one exactly, five, so. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And you know, we're seeing higher levels of marketing and a broadening of sales channels. So players thinking creatively and forming partnerships to try and get as much cross-selling as possible. So I guess the point is, you know, even if market players themselves do not take on a broader home energy solutions provider role, they will form partnerships so that the household is still being served in a holistic way. So I think it's those sort of companies that will make it. So there, yes, there's the energy suppliers, there's the uh, national integrated uh, solar PV companies that are growing massively uh, and can take on uh, a lot more. Um, but I think it's not just that. It's not a type of company. It's the type of company that... Uh, the it, function they're carrying out. And exactly. They, they could have come from an energy retail background. They could yeah. have come from a PV installation background. Yeah. 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 So just okay. keep it client-centric, customer-centric, and yeah. they'll be okay. <laughs> Thanks, Dina. Yannick. Yeah, first of all, I would agree to uh, Dina's um, uh, statement about um, the types of companies that are going to be around. And of course, um, uh, we hope to be one of them. We believe we will be a, let's say, recognizable end consumer brand type of company, right? It's not about being a solar installer or an energy retailer or a heat com company. It's more about um, as Dina said, being um, being somebody who can deliver on that on the entire proposition and in a in a way that is um, easy to understand and that is also um, basically has the potential to be a status symbol, right? So in 2028, um, I want my customers to be proud um uh to have a 1.5 system and i mean um a lot of them <laughs> hopefully are ready today and we we see that this works right that we're moving away from um who has the biggest car um and and and, and the fastest car um more towards who has um uh, the the best and the most intelligent holistic solution from a desirable brand and this is exactly where we want to be 
And what would what's your biggest challenge to getting to that? What you've just described. I think one one of the one of the challenges everybody in the market is still underestimating is like the sheer size um, of the market, and the the we are only at the beginning of an incredible. Uh, challenge right and yes we look at markets and we're like okay um um you know I, I don't know spain moved up a little bit or another market moved down a little bit and but at the end of the day it's going to be about millions and millions of homes um and i think this is going to be the challenge to scale this as quickly as possible within the next uh, 10 years because we're really uh, running out of time and my last question what's the biggest challenge around scaling is it the what, what worries? What keeps you awake most at night about about scaling? That's a good one. Um, no, I would say, um, look, there's along the value chain. There's lots of things um, you need to scale. It's, it's whether it's supply chain. It's um, where do the resources and the products come from? Um, it's about um, building uh, software that is that is able to scale quickly. It's about building um, tools and 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 processes that can you know serve thousands hundreds of thousands and but eventually millions of customers so i would say there's not one particular challenge there's a whole bunch of them um but oh, we're well, sorry, sorry very well a lot prepared. too much keeping you awake at night <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a lot to get right at the same time yeah um, absolutely and i mean i think this is what what's also so exciting about this industry that we all are part of this and we have the opportunity to, to affect some um, real change here and we're still again this market i believe is still in its infancy um and there's a lot of exciting things that are about to happen well one here, person's here. challenge is another person's opportunity so uh we certainly need uh companies like yours yannick and the other companies in the market to drive this market forward if we're to reach our carbon targets for european homes in the next years because there's a huge amount to do but with that huge opportunity. Um, we better draw it to a close there. Time's getting the better of us, but uh, thanks a lot, Dina. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And thanks so much, Yannick. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks always to everyone listening. We hope you found this interesting, learned some new things about the residential PV and home solution space, and are maybe inspired by some of the things you heard from Dina and from Yannick today. Thanks very much. Um, do get in touch with us if you've got ideas for future episodes. You can email us at talkingnewenergy at lcp.com. Follow our social media platforms. And if you're enjoying the podcast, like it and tweet about it or post about it. Thanks very much for everyone for listening and speak to you next week. Goodbye. If you enjoy the podcast, then please rate it and share it with your friends and colleagues. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then you can keep in touch with us and look at our research insights, podcast transcripts, and download reports all at www.lcpdelta.com. Are you the proprietor of a business selling shaving kits, meal packs, audiobooks, or anything else of the sort? Have you failed to tap the market of people who love hearing their favorite comedians talk about their boring lives? What's wrong with you? 57% of U.S. consumers listen to podcasts every month. That's a lot of ears that could be hearing about your brand. Go to podbean.com brands to learn how it do. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands, and you could be the one talking instead of me.